3: look at a bridge there's this foundation to call an abutment and in that abutment um i look at it if you didn't have that abutment it would the the bridge would crash and so what the bridge has to be in this work of racial reconciliation it has to be the message of jesus and 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 it has to be built on that and because without that it's going to collapse
0: Thanks again for listening to Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. I'm Paul Perot with Gabe, and as you just heard, we're going to talk about racial reconciliation again. A couple of weeks ago, Q hosted a live event on the web called Q&A, where we were looking at race, justice, and repairing the divide. And Gabe, you wanted to continue that conversation on this week's show.
2: We decided this week we wanted to feature one of the talks from Q 2018 that continued the discussion around what does it look like to build bridges ethnically between people who are of different races, different socioeconomic divides, anyone who sees themselves as on polar opposite places, whether it's politically or maybe just culturally. How do we build bridges? Well, the person we invited to do that was Tasha Morrison. She is a bridge builder. She actually started an organization called Be the Bridge. And in addition to that, began creating curriculums and creating small group environments that allow people to come together in groups and actually have conversations with those who may look different than them and think different than them. And so I sat down with Tasha at Q, and I interviewed her specifically asking her to help us better understand what are some of the reasons people are fearful. Why why do they not engage with people who are different than them? And how can we change that? How can we as the church be a part of that? If you did not tune in to our Q&A series, you can still find that fascinating conversation with Duke Kwan and our listeners who are interacting with us and asking questions at qideas.org slash summer series. So go there, watch that, spend 45 minutes just digging in deep to this conversation about where we could go on the topic of racism in America and how the church can lead After listening to Tasha share with us the importance of us leading in this critical moment. Let's listen to them. We're going to keep this conversation going because it's such an important one. And I've invited my friend Tasha to join us who founded something called Be the Bridge. She lives in Atlanta. And part of Tasha's mission and calling in life really at this stage has been to be practical Right. Because we get into these conversations about race and division and, and you know, I see people get stuck and, and lots of times just not know what to do. Right. And they, they're scared they're going to say the wrong thing, so they just don't reach out. They don't try. They don't invite the family over for dinner that they really should be spending more time with. How do you help people think through getting unstuck when they're feeling kind of like, I don't know what to do. I'm paralyzed by all this information and education, but what yeah. do I
3: do? Yeah, we, you know, with Be The Bridge, we want to tool people to have a distinct and transformative, you know, voice in this work of racial healing. And one of the things is you can't lead people where you're not willing to go yourself personally. And so I believe that this work starts first in your home, in your heart. You know, some of the practical things is educating yourself on the issue, you know, and so picking up a book. That's real simple to do. Um, you know
2: I know for me, a couple <laughs> of my friends a couple of years ago when I was just trying to understand the story that I didn't understand, it was right. the warmth of other Suns Oh yeah, that's the best as point. a story of the migration from the south. A couple of friends just said, Read this book and it'll help you understand and it really right. did give me this the storylines of different people that I, right. I really would have never understood Jim Crow as well right. and how that's perpetuated throughout this last century. So I'm sorry, but no. That's that's a
3: great, you know, that's what books do, and they tell the story because so much of our upbringing and our education system, we have to realize that strategically, a lot has been left out of the books, and so that's what a lot of people don't understand. They don't understand what's broken and why it's been broken. And I think when you start picking up a book, you start to have a common history and a common memory. And so as you're reading like Warmth of the other sons, you start understanding how blacks from the south ended up in the um, northern states. So how people migrated to California, how they migrated to Chicago and what they met, the difficulties they met there, where in the south, we call it Jim Crow. But really in the north, it was called James Crow. And so a lot of times people thought they were escaping racism in the South, but they were just going to another area of the country and racism was another by another name in that sense. And so that's important. You know, history is important because in history, there's truth. And so we really have to understand the basis for bridge building is truth telling. Mm -hmm. And we have to understand our historical truth,
2: telling the truth. You can't work towards reconciliation if the truth isn't on the table about what actually happened and everybody acknowledges it. But what have been the best practices, again, practically? Like if I go home and I'm talking to my 17, 15-year-old, 12-year-old child, you know, tonight and saying, as a family, we want to be practically doing more in this Mm -hmm. area to be bridge builders. Mm -hmm. What are some of the things you found are effective?
3: I'll give you just some practical things where if some of you who are in here, if you took out your phones right now, And you look through your contacts and you can do that while I'm talking. I'm giving permission
0: for people to look at their phones.
3: (laughs) (laughs) But if you look, looked at your contacts, does everyone in your contacts look like you? You know, if you were planning a party, you know, who would you invite to that party and what would they look like? Um, if you look at your Instagram, you know, those are just practical things just for you in the audience. If you're saying you want to be a part of the solution and you want to be a part of this work, it starts with you. So you look at your Instagram. And not who's following you, but who are you following?
2: Yeah, Twitter, same you know, thing, right? same what thing, you know, are you what,
3: to? yeah, what voices are you listening to? And so I think that those are some practical things that, mm-hmm. you know, that you can do, um, just by shifting that, yeah. you know, just, you know, making sure that you're hearing from other people, you're di- diversifying your surroundings. Yeah. You know, that's just one part of it.
2: Yeah. One of the things, uh, in a recent New York Times article, I think a lot of people read that was kind of evaluating how uh, it was a church in Dallas was kind of the main focus of it and how African Americans were feeling in the midst of this congregation. And I thought that the, the really important point that came out was that so many African Americans in majority white churches really just feel tired and broken hearted. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not even like angry. It's yeah. not even like we're mad. You guys are doing yeah. it wrong. It's it's like this sense of just kind of worn out of, of yeah. continuing to try to tell the same story, but not necessarily Seeing outcomes. Um, Would you say that's true in your own experience?
3: I was interviewed for that piece also. So, um, this is a lifestyle that we're talking about. So, this is not something that we check off a box. This is not something that's trending right now. This is a problem that has been around. And so, what I'm trying to do in this work is have lifestyle transformation. Yeah. So this is something that I've signed up for, for life until Jesus comes, you yeah. know? Yeah. And so, and so I think you have to go into it that knowing that there's no end, I may never see mm. complete restoration in yeah. this area yeah. but I'm laying the foundation for those after me yeah. um, to come behind and finish that work and yeah. so I'm living off of someone else's commitment you know um, mm-hmm. we're living off someone else's yeah. commitment to this work and so I want to do my part in it but I would say with the this work of bridge building right now is very difficult yeah. for um, people of color yeah. and specifically I can speak from African American standpoint um, that of an African American it's very hard to Recruit people to be a part of this conversation right now. Yep. Um, the last two years have been very difficult. People are weary. People are tired, yep. and um, you know, just recently I, I saw something where it said, you know, in this work of bridge building sounds great, sounds you know, kind of like a, a sexy topic in a sense, until that bridge is built on your back. Yeah. And so, if we know about anything about bridge building, um, You get walked on from both sides.
0: Now, Gabe, on the topic of striving at truth-telling and bridge-building, let's press the pause button right here because I want to take us back briefly to a conversation you had a couple of years ago at Q2017 with hip-hop artist Lecrae, who, after the Ferguson shooting, tried to use his platform to talk about racial issues and, unfortunately, got pushback. Let's listen to a segment of that conversation.
2: When you first sensed and knew after Ferguson that this was erupting, Um, you know, I remember you, you uh, tried to talk to some of your Christian community Mm -hmm. to say, Hey guys, something's happening here. What are we going to do about this? Can you just kind of walk us through what your experience was like as a black man trying to engage this topic for the first time? You know, so
1: historically, obviously I I come from a pretty traditional African American family background, you know, found my faith, found a lot of uh, embrace and support within white evangelicalism and and those particular circles never really had much of a rub never really had much of a conflict people enjoyed my music asked me to be a part of their conferences and everything else that was going on and then in 2014 after the the, the death of Michael Brown um, I had some some concerns and some thoughts and some some things that I pointed out and the same love support and kind of uh, you know cheering on that I had been consistently hearing turned into you know, uh, uh, visceral frustration, and uh, and people just did not understand why I was quote unquote rocking the boat, and I and I think um, I just wanted
2: you to like stay in your zone, stay in your lane, yeah, stay in your lane. Don't talk about this stuff.
1: Let's let's, let's not talk about that. And I think for a lot of them, um, you know, we we talked about it earlier. For a lot of them. They wanted me to keep the peace, and I'm more concerned with making peace. And making peace mm-hmm. causes us to disrupt some things. Yeah. Uh, keeping peace causes us to kind of keep a lid on stuff and let it kind of dissipate. But it right. wasn't as if I was trying to create something. It was I was trying to expose what was yeah. already created.
2: Now, you've gone out actually in protest. You've been on the street. You've marched. Yes. You've said, look, this is important, and our voices need to be heard. For people who don't quite understand, like why is protest so important? And, and I think there needs
1: to be a distinction between protest and riot, right? Like, yeah. they're, they're not the same thing. Martin Luther King once said, riots are the voices of the unheard. And I think that those are people who don't know how else to express their pain or their frustration. Um, but the, but a protest uh, is a way to say um, that I, I see something unjust mm-hmm. and I'm taking a stand against what I see is, is unjust. And, um, and I think when you want to see change in society, there's policy, there's publicity, there's programs for a believer, there's prayer. Um, and part of that publicity is protesting, right? Part of that is making noise and saying we're discontent with what's happening right now.
2: Yeah. There's a lot of people that have watched this happen over the last two years. And, and many times it's white people. Sure. And let's just be real. They, they look at the situation, they watch the videos, they go, man, if If that person would have just respected the law officers, if they would have just done what they were told to do, this whole thing could have been avoided. But tell us more about what is the history between law enforcement and the African-American community that actually creates the tension that we're now seeing flare up? Yeah, I think we are
1: all um, confined to our experiences and our education. And so um, the experience for African-Americans in the law enforcement is is a longstanding one. Actually, policing in America began um on slave plantations and uh the law enforcement was put there to make sure that slaves did not run away uh and to make sure that an example was made for anyone who tried to escape and who tried to uh you know veer off from doing what the their owners told them to do and that was how the whole establishment came to be uh within the south and and so for you know centuries after it was kind of a, a, a in, an infrastructure that was a fraternity of sorts for only uh, white males to be in control. And um, and so African-Americans weren't even allowed to have any kind of influence or say or sway in that whole situation. And so like I was saying, we're all confined to our experiences. And so most people, especially like my white friends, they've never had a negative experience with police. They're, they know police officers, police officers protect, they serve, they stand up for their rights. And so uh, they would have a critique on my perception right. of the infrastructure being fractured and the system being flawed, uh, when my experience would be vastly different yeah. from their experience, uh, whereas I myself has been a victim of police brutality i 've been a victim of discrimination uh, by police and Um, And so there's going to be varying varying perspectives based off of your confined experience. Yeah, there's
2: a loss of trust. There's a total breakdown of respect, and so sometimes
1: that just comes in a reaction of run, get away. Yeah, it's not want to engage this. Exactly, it's not always an issue of non-compliance. Sometimes an issue of fear.
0: That was just a brief portion of Gabe's talk with Lecrae. To hear the full conversation, visit QIdeas.org and look for the talk Race, Righteous Anger, and Resolution. Now, Gabe, let's get back to your conversation with Latasha Morrison about building bridges.
3: There's a foundation. When you look at a bridge, there's this foundation to call an abutment. And in that abutment, um, I look at it, if you didn't have that abutment, it would the the bridge would crash. Yeah. And so what the bridge has to be in this work of racial reconciliation, it has to be the message of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, and and it has to be built on that. Yeah. And because without that, it's gonna collapse. And right. so for me, we you know, I tell people when you're weary, You know, take a time out, you know, pause, you know, um, go do what you need to do for self-care. But we want everyone to be a part of the conversation, but everyone's not going to be a part of the conversation. And we're not a monolithic group as people of color. So you're going to meet people of color that don't want to be in your Be the Bridge group. They don't want to talk about race with a white person, you know, um, because maybe they've been harmed or they don't know what to expect. They don't know your Mm intentions. So you have to understand that. So it's not just about having one friend. Nobody wants to be your one friend. OK, that's that's very burdensome. Look, yeah. and all the people of color said, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, you you want to have multiple friends because you're going to get multiple perspectives, because right. how I grew up is different from how some of my friends grew up. I grew yeah. up in the suburbs, yeah. you know, but I don't. You know, although the inner city wasn't my experience, I can relate and not deny that inner city experience. So it's not my story, but it's their story. Therefore, it's also my story.
2: Well, I want to thank you for two things. One, you just mentioned, you know, the way this ultimately happens is understanding the power of Jesus to transform. There's so many cultural issues, I think, Mm -hmm. we come into. And I know I've been a party to this at times where we try to really smartly, strategically figure out how we're going to do it. And we don't invite Jesus in to do what Jesus can only right. do. And just acknowledging that in this conversation is so important in every conversation. But, it, but I appreciate you leading with that and saying yeah. that we, we know that. Um, but, too, thank you for stepping out and leading in this because mm-hmm. I have many black friends mm-hmm. who feel called to bridge build. Mm-hmm. They're tired. Yeah. It's hard work. You step into a lot of majority white spaces and you're yeah. trying to educate them on a history that you wish they just understood, but they don't. Mm-hmm. And that takes courage like day in and day out. And I know you get tired. Yeah. And I just thank you for doing it because yeah. from a white man mm-hmm. who's had friends who've been called to bridge build, it's, right. it's absolutely transformed my mm-hmm. worldview and my understanding. But it's mm-hmm. been through that patience
3: and
1: right. that
2: commitment. Um, so thank you for that. And, and I want to also just for a moment be the bridge how can church leaders here get involved if they want to, because you have an opportunity and a way that people here can take this up in their churches and right. start groups. Will you just tell us a little bit about that for a second?
3: Yeah, one of the things that we created, and this came from my personal life, um, just seeing the division um, and seeing the hurt um, and realizing, seeing that in the world, but also looking to the church for an answer, and the church was not just complicit with what the brokenness, but a part of the church created the infrastructure for what we're seeing now. And so, therefore, if we created the infrastructure, we have to be a part of the solution. And so this was me, you know, wanting to create a conversation on how can we on-ramp people into this conversation. Um, There's a lot of conversations that we've had over the last two days, and some of those conversations are what I call a 301 and 401 level. Um, But some of us in this room, you're at a 101 level. You're just getting started. You're trying to understand. Um and so that's what Be The Bridge does. We create we create materials and resources um, to start having these conversations. And so on our website, be the dot com, you can download the guide as um, we call it the guy 2.0 and then also for my white brothers and sisters that are here we have a, a tool just for use to start understanding we use a lot of terminology here you it's know like a remedial yeah, tool yeah it's for it, the well, white folks. it's not really remedial <laughs> um, but it's gloss a glossary so we can have the same language so a lot of times we use words like race and racism and white supremacy and you guys have no understanding you're thinking I'm calling you a white supremacist when I'm not I'm talking about a system yeah. and um, and so what we we have is a guide um, that specializes in the four Ws. I call it, and that is white supremacy, um, white um, identity, um, white fragility, and white privilege. And it breaks it down and gives you an understanding, so you can do that yeah. with. You. If you don't have any friends of color, you can do that particular guide um, with a group of. Um, your white brothers and sisters and start really deconstructing and dismantling sure. some of these things that you don't quite understand. Yeah. Um, and then um, you can Start a group with another person of color. Um, find someone. Um, hopefully, they're not running from you, but maybe they are. So, if they are running from you, just stay with the whiteness one-on-one. They will come. Pray them. Pray them into assistance. Yeah. Well. You know. So, those are some of the things, uh, ways that you can engage um, with with the conversation. You can follow us on social media, um, and Great. you know, and all that.
2: Well, let's thank Tasha for sharing with us and providing practical resources. Thank you, Tasha. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed hearing Tasha. I thought just one of the things that jumped out at me that she said in this conversation was that the basis for bridge building is truth-telling. And, and I know that can almost seem problematic. If we tell what we really think, if we really tell the truth, then maybe I'll offend people. And I don't think what Tasha meant was we're going around just trying to tell everybody what we believe, but it was more the sense... That we have to start with the basis of truth, of our history, of understanding what's taken place before the moment that we find ourselves in. And when we understand the truth, it truly sets us free when we can have real respectful conversations with friends. I know for me that has been the total difference maker when it's come to my own understanding of racism, of the stories that I never heard growing up, that I didn't understand. But now I do because I've had good friends come alongside me that were not white, that were African-American who are willing to listen to some of my dumb questions, willing to have conversations that they're frankly tired of having because they wish people could just learn and understand. But they've been patient, and they've been willing to build bridges. And this kind of work is some of the most important work. It's also some of the most painful work. It's very difficult work. The work that Tasha does, I think of friends like David Bailey. I think of Jason Petty, propaganda, doing this kind of work, just trying to bring communities together. And so in that work, let's be praying for these leaders. Let's make sure you're being that kind of leader. You know, we give you an opportunity every fall to be this kind of a leader, somebody in your community that builds bridges, that actually puts people in a room together, that probably otherwise would never find one another. It's called Q Commons. And we created Q Commons as a way one evening out of the year you dedicate two hours where you're going to actually host a conversation in your church or in your city, where you're going to hear talks from a variety of perspectives. You're going to hear a broadcast of talks from Q. You also have the opportunity to host and commission local talks that deal with issues that could build bridges in your community. And this year, our theme is called The Power of We, W-E, The Power of We. I mean, the idea here is that we can't just rely on the government to solve problems or religious leaders to solve problems or our churches to solve the problems. Frankly, we've got to look at one another. We've got to look at our neighbors. We've got to look at our friends. And we've got to say, how can we make a difference? How can we together start to be the difference? Our theme this year will be focused on hospitality, this Christian virtue that in some ways has been forgotten in the modern Western world. And we need to be reminded of it. We need to be refreshed on how the church historically was some of the most hospitable people and places for people to show up, no matter what they believed or thought or what they looked like or what they could afford. And this year in 2018, we want to bring this to the forefront again. We want to be thinking about what does it look like for Christians today in this world where we feel very technologically connected, but also we see the polarization that's happening. What if we as the church became this beacon of light that we were the ones bringing hope, that we were the ones creating space where people could come together could find one another again, could stop, put their phones down, actually listen to one another and try to learn and try to understand. We believe Christians should be leading the way in this. And so the best way Q can contribute to that is by creating an evening that you could host where you could bring all the Christians together in your church maybe, Or possibly it's hosting it in a public space in your city where you invite Christians and non-Christians alike to engage some really important talks, to hear some important stories about how we can be a part of solving problems in our community together. And so I hope you'll consider joining with us. You can learn more about that at QCommons.com. So when you go to QCommons.com, you can see there's multiple ways you can host. But we're just saying, look, if you're listening to this podcast, if you've been kind of consuming these ideas, if you've been... Listening to these, it's been shaping your mind. What would it look like for you to start giving that away? What would it look like for you to create space where others now could benefit from what you've learned from Q by you taking action? And that can be as simple as you getting a leader in your church involved. Or maybe you feel the calling that this is an opportunity you need to lead on. You need to carve out some time in the next few months to really initiate leading this type of conversation. I know in American culture, there'll be an election right around the corner. Two weeks after Q Commons will be our midterm elections. That's a time where there's a lot of division. There's a lot of news media. There's a lot of politicalization of so many ideas that sometimes don't always help us. And so this will be an opportunity to be an antidote to that, where two weeks before elections, you're bringing people together, maybe from different political parties or no political party at all, to say, hey, what can we do together? How can we not just rely on whatever our vote is in November to solve the issues in our city, our community, our state, uh, the social issues we're dealing with, how we connect and deal with the poor, how we solve creative problems in our education system, on and on and on. But what if you were creating that space? What if you were the one leading that in your city? Well, reach out to us. Let us know. We want to help you. We want to support you. We try to make this as turnkey as possible, but we're just looking for leaders who feel called to do this kind of work, and then we'll help you do it. So go to QCommons.com, and we'll look forward to partnering with you there. This has been another edition of the Q Podcast. I look forward to joining you again next week where we can continue the conversation. This show is made possible in partnership with Faith Radio and Northwestern Media.